Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Makeup and Mindset, a podcast where we get cute and get aligned all at the same damn time. I'm your host, Siobhan Dotson, and I'm so happy to have you here. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. So let's get into it. All right. All right. So, Tiffany, great to have you. So let us, first of all, let me just say, everybody, Tiffany is my sister. So hello to Sister Tiffany. And I wanted to bring you on because you have a very interesting and inspirational story. Um, And plus, I think, and I've always been like, I've been pushing you to share your story more. So this is me pushing you to be obedient and do what I told you to do and share your story more. So I figured why not provide the platform for you to share a little bit more about who you are. And you can also tell people about, you know, how awesome of a sister I am personally. <laughs> um, <laughs> why not? Let me toot my own horn. Um, I am a better sister than Tasha. I'm just going to say it. Tasha, don't be mad. No, I'm just playing. Just Josh and Tasha. Um, but no, seriously. So I would ask for you to share who you are and tell everybody a little bit about, like, what you do. Okay. So you've already said that I'm Tiffany. I am your older sister. I'm the middle child of our siblings. Um, I am a, I'm a wife. Um, been married for, I've been married since 2016. I have two children. I have a 13-year-old and I have a 19-month-old. Um, currently, I work full-time and I am com- in the process of completing my master's degree for organizational leadership. Um, what else do you want to know? Uh, I am I am a breast cancer survivor. Um, made 10 years in September of last year. I, um, I enjoy traveling and I love family time. A little bit about me. I love family time. Okay. So you're a wife, you're a mom, um, you work full time, you are, in the midst of completing your master's degree in organizational leadership, let's just take a pause right there and just say congratulations on that journey of finishing up your master's degree because, woo, child, it's been hard for us to write these papers together, has <laughs> it? really has. <laughs> That's the inside <laughs> joke, y'all. I told you, I'm taking partial credit for some of this degree. I'm gonna stand up too and hold my finger up. Like, excuse me, put me on program. 
<laughs> I appreciate no, all the help. <laughs> kudos, kudos, kudos to that. But the most important thing I want to key in on is you said you were a breast cancer survivor. And of course, you are my sister. So that has been a very personal journey for the both of us, but definitely not as personal for me as it has been for you. And I feel like you have a really unique story. Unfortunately, probably not as unique anymore as it used to be with, you know, so many women are being diagnosed with breast cancer and it's really scary, but unlike some other people, you were diagnosed at a really young age, you know, really kind of like coming into the prime of your life in a sense. So tell us a little bit about that. So I got diagnosed at the age of 29. Um, As you stated, you know, they say you kind of begin to figure out life about your 30s. Um, For me, um, life took took a turn for the worst, I guess. Um, it was definitely something unexpected, but having no family history of the disease, um, being young, um, breast cancer was the furthest thing from my, from my head. So never in a million years would have thought that that's something that would have happened to me. So 29, um, I want to say, and this was in 2009, so I want to say coming into that year was already maybe a rough year for me. Um, had a lot going on at that time, and I can't even really pinpoint exactly when I noticed that I felt a lump in my breast. Um, I just remember one day I felt it, and I got scared. Um, I don't know what it was that told me that this was something that was not good, but my gut told me that there was a problem. And I wasn't sure what it was. Um, Like I said, I never in a million years would have assumed or considered it being breast cancer. So I didn't say anything to anyone. I kept it to myself. um, And I kind of wanted to just pretend that I never felt the lump. So... I want to say a good couple of months went by, um, and I ignored every time I felt it. I just pretended like it wasn't there. I remember having to have a physical, and I'm thinking, okay, he's going to, he meaning the the doctor, he's going to fill it. Um, And so I'll be exposed. He'll ask me what it is. I'll say I don't know. He'll run some tests. We'll find out what it is. Um, and so I get into the appointment and in my head, that's how this whole appointment is going to go. And he asked me, you know, would you like for me to do a breast exam? And before I could even think of it, I said, no, my oncologist will, or not my oncologist, my gynecologist will. And he was like, oh, okay, perfect. That's what I figured. I'm literally beating myself up on the inside. I'm like, dang it, this was my opportunity, but whatever. It wasn't something that I was ready to face anyway. So I left the doctor, went about my my business. Um, again, ignored the fact, didn't say anything to anyone. Um, 
my baby was probably two at this time. She hadn't yet turned three. Um, it was summertime, and so because I knew something was wrong, I'm just thinking just make the most of this time with her. Whatever it is you do, just have a lot of fun, take a lot of pictures, make a lot of memories, um, so she'll have something to remember you by. Um, and that's what I did. So the whole summer, and whatever you could think of, we did. Um, honestly, I took a loan against my 401K so I can have extra money to do whatever it is that we decided to do because at this point in my mind, I knew something was wrong, didn't know what it was, and I remember saying before, like, if I if something was wrong with me, I never want to know. I never want to know. I just want to live my life because I believe when people find out that something is wrong with them, that's when they go downhill. And that was really my mentality. You know, at the time, I'm 29, trying to live my best life with, with my child. And so um, I just remember probably around, like, August, you know, it really started to bother me, like, oh, my goodness, you know, something definitely is wrong because the lump never went away, and I would get, like, a sensation in that area that kind of felt like something was burning or traveling um, up my, my, my chest. And so I remember one day I verbalized it to, he's my husband now, but he wasn't my husband at the time, but I remember verbalizing to him, like, I have a lump on my breast, and... He felt it, and at that moment, because I said it out loud, I knew that I had to do something about it um, because he wasn't going to let me not do anything. He was going to hold me accountable for, you know, what I felt and taking the uh, appropriate actions to get it checked out and see what was wrong. And so I remember him asking me if he wanted to go to the doctor with me, and I told him no. I'm a very private person. Um, I don't like a lot of people knowing what's going on with me, and if it's something that's bad, I would rather only me know, and then I could figure out a way to kind of break the news or tell everyone else. Um, so at the appointment, um, this was in, like, middle of September. I made an appointment, went to the doctor. Um, because I was 29, no family history, they were very confident that this was nothing major, you can have surgery, we'll remove the lumps, and you'll be on your way. And so um, even going into the doctor, I just, I was a nervous wreck. I broke down crying in the doctor's office, and they reassured me, you know, you're going to be fine. You know, we see this all the time. You're young. You should be good. So we want you to go get a mammogram. And, okay, that's fine. I will get a mammogram. Their confidence that in the fact that they believed it was nothing, kind of, um, it comforted me. So I remember they were like, we'll call them for you versus allowing me to set the appointment. And I always say that God put the right people in my life to get the things done that need to be done. Um, because if it was left up to me to make the appointment, the fact that they were so confident, I wouldn't have made it. I probably would have waited a couple of weeks. I had things going on. And once they sounded confident, it honestly wasn't a, much of a priority to me. But I remember going to um, the receptionist, and they called the mammogram area, and they gave me a date. 
in a time. We, you can come today. Um, you can come at 1 o'clock. And I remember telling her, no, I got something to do. I can't do that. You know, what do you have tomorrow or even next week? And I just remember her being like, no, we don't have any other appointments. This is the appointment that we have for you. You need to come here at this time. No, I can't do that. Yes, Tiffany, we'll see you at this time. Have a good day. We'll see you soon. And I remember she hung up on me. And I'm thinking, what the heck? <laughs> That's rude. But okay, her urgency kind of put things back into priority for me. You know, get this, this, this go get it with that. And I remember I left the doctor's office. I had a couple of hours before the mammogram appointment. And I remember just driving. And then that's when it hit me. You know, man, you're going to get this appointment to see what this is. And I just started crying. And I didn't even know where to go. I remember I pulled into my older sister's driveway. And I called her, and she's just like, what's going on? Why are you crying? I told her I was sitting in her driveway, um, and I told her I went to the doctor because I felt a lump in my breast, and I don't know what to do. And I remember her just saying, don't move. I'll be right there. Um, So it took her a couple minutes to get to me, and she came, you know, consoled me, and she said, I'll go to the appointment with you. I'm like, okay. So we went. She kind of kept me calm. We talked. Um, She suggested that I tell my mom uh, because she felt like I needed a little bit more support. And so I remember going to the appointment to get the mammogram done. Every person that I interacted with within um, the medical office were all confident that I didn't have cancer, um, that this was nothing. We can get it taken care of. They see it all the time. You're young. You have no history of breast cancer. You should be good. And so I left that appointment feeling really, really good. Um, my my um, gynecologist had already got in contact with the surgeon. She said, let's just get it removed. I don't want you to have to deal with it. So I get a phone call from the surgeon. They set up an appointment for me to get it removed. And so it might have been like a week and a half between the day that I got the mammogram and the surgical date to get the lumps removed. They didn't do a biopsy because I was going to get them removed, and they would biopsy it at the time. And so I remember for that week and a half, no worries, no nothing. I'm all right. They're very confident. I'm good. I think I told my mom, but I reassured her, oh, they said I was young. I don't have a history. I should be good. And so um, I think I stayed off work for that time just to kind of, you know, wait for the appointment to the surgery and not have to deal with anything else. And so I had the surgery. They removed the lump. They'll call you. Um, not even they'll call me. They made a follow-up appointment for me. And I remember my follow-up appointment was on a Thursday. I had the surgery on a, on a Friday. Follow-up was on a Thursday. I remember being at work. And um, going about my day, I get a phone call. And I was actually on the phone with my now husband. And we were just talking, and I get a phone call, and it was the medical office. And so I'm like, hold on. I click over. And, again, I always stress that God puts the right people in my life to get the things done that need to be done. Um, And so I'm on the phone with the doctor, and he says, 
Stephanie, I got some really bad news for you. I got your test results, and it came back positive um, for breast cancer. And I'm like, what? I need you in my office tomorrow um, ASAP. And I'm like, wait, huh? Yeah, I need you to come in. And um, I'm like, okay. Doesn't feel real. In my head, I'm thinking he's going to say he's choking, even though I know that that's not something that they can do. But there was a disconnect. Like, you did not just tell me that. I remember just getting getting off the phone with him. I click over, and I say, that was just the doctor's office, and they just told me that I have breast cancer. And my husband's like, what? Um, you need to go home. And so I go tell my boss, and she was great. She said, don't worry about it. Go figure out everything with, with HR. So on my ride home, I remember getting a phone call from um, the clinic that did the the exam. And, again, in my mind, there's a disconnect because I heard what they said, but not really registering with me that this is real life happening. And um, the doctor that looked at the the scans, he said, I'm so sorry. I just looked at your, 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 your file. You know, we got the news and... You know, the technology today is great. You're going to beat this. You got this. You know, my prayers are with you. I'm so sorry. And the only thing I can say is, okay, thank you. Because, again, there's a disconnect. And so my husband, my now husband, he comes with me to the appointment the next day, and I'm still disconnected, not really fully comprehending what's going on. So we're in the doctor's office, and they have a nurse navigator there. Um, she actually called me, too, like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to walk with you throughout this journey. You have my support. Anything you need, here's my number. And I don't even think I wrote her number down because it's not – this is this isn't real. And so we're at the doctor's office, and I don't even know what they said because I was physically there, but I'm spaced out. Um, and, you know, my husband's listening. I'm not. Um, I know that they said, you know, you should have surgery. They'll send you, you know, we'll send you to an oncologist, um, and we'll go from there. They set up my, um, set up the appointment to meet with the oncologist. And I know that I just start crying. Um, because I couldn't believe, like, I'm sitting here. I just got the worst news of my life. Um, I kind of felt like something was wrong, but I didn't know it was this. What the heck am I going to do? I got a, a three-year-old. She's three now. And so, wow. And I remember going home and my husband asked, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to tell your family? And I didn't even know. How am I going to tell them? What am I going to say? Um, I had nothing, you know, so unexpected. And so I told him, I think I'll wait. I'll get a little bit more information before I tell them this information. Because um, I have to really think about, what I'm about to tell my mom and my dad is going to hurt them. They're going to be devastated. And I couldn't bear to do that. I think that might have been the hardest 
for me to do, especially considering that they've already lost one child. I'm going to pause you and right there. I'm going to let you get back to your story in just a minute. I just want to – that's a lot of information. So I'm about to recap this. First of all, everybody, this is my first time hearing this entire story. So I've never heard this entire story this way. Um, so I am a first-time listener as well. So I just want to recap for everybody. 29 years old. I totally remember being 29. I can tell you that right now. And I definitely would have thought about being sick or even, you know, something being wrong. So 29 years old, a mom of a three-year-old. I'm a mom as well. I totally remember when my child was three and like, that's a, you know, that's a hard pill to swallow. You being sick as a mom when your child is so, is so young, but 29 years old, felt a lump, was in a little bit of denial and then decided, hey, it's actually time for me to move on this. But go to the doctor and for them to kind of be a little dismissive in a sense. Not that like, oh, it's, you know, it's nothing, but it's just like, ah, you don't have any family history. We're, we're confident. Ain't shit wrong with you. Like, that's hope right there. <laughs> cool. So, you know, to go through that, 29, go to the doctor. They're kind of convincing you that because it doesn't exist in your family history um, and because of your age that this really isn't. A, you know, like, oh, it's probably not the worst case scenario, like I know you're thinking in your head. And then to go to the doctor to find out, hey, just kidding, guys. It is, you know, it's cancer. And did you just say you found out at work? I did. And and, and let me just, let me say that again. Because every time I say that, people are always like, oh, my God, I can't believe that they did that but they knew me. They, I don't know how they knew me, but they knew me. And the fact that they were dismissive, I needed that mm. because I'm a, I am a warrior. Um, and I would have lost sleep and I didn't. I honestly, I held on to the fact that they were confident that it was nothing. And I needed that. And looking back, I really needed that because I needed to be able to get my mind right. I needed to be able to spend a little bit more time with my kids. I mean, during that time, I didn't worry. From the time that I went to see or have to have the mammogram until the time that I was diagnosed, I lost no sleep. You know, so life, life was still normal for you at that. Like within that time, you still felt yeah. like I still have my normal life. And that is something that you really needed at that. Like it was valuable to you in that time. It was it's beyond value. Mm. I needed that. And again, that may not work for everybody else. But for me, that was honestly, valuable. that was the best thing that they did was to to not have me lose sleep for what could have been 14 days, 14 days. I could have been, yeah. oh my goodness, you know, on edge, not eating, you know, 14 days of WebMD. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I am a Googler. Right. Okay. Like, oh, I'm about to die tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. That would have been 14 Googled, days. Of, you know, oh, I got leprosy. Jesus. Every, yes. And so I needed that. And the fact that he told me over the phone, 
he knew that the doctor knew that she might not even come in. Like, might not got let you. Me just give, right. Let me give her this information. I need you in my office because, I, and I think I said my appointment with him originally was on a Thursday. It was on a Friday. So he needed me in that Thursday. And he called me on a Wednesday. Like, I need to see you tomorrow. Why? Like, I'm a why. Why? Why do you need to see me? I'll see you Friday. Right. Why do you need me in now? Right. And so the fact that he told me, that put urgency on the situation. Like, you need to come in. You need to, I need to talk to you. And had he not, honestly, not even going to lie to you, I've missed several follow-up appointments throughout my life because, hey, I'm good now, right? I don't need to see you. That's right. I'm, I'm going to see you when I see you. You know, and so I always say, and that's why I stress, God put the right people in my life to get the job done that needed to be done. And he continues to do that. And that, during that time frame, that was so important that those, that I encountered those doctors that said, you know what, nope, you're good. And it sounds messed up, but it gave me peace. My mind was at ease. And I was able to function, and I was able to live life not knowing that my life was about to change drastically, and what was normal to me was going to change forever. So, so it gave me a little bit of time to to feel normal, live in the moment that I knew. Yeah, to, to, to feel, still normal. feel normal. And so you, they told you, hey, it's breast cancer, and now, um, now you have to tell your your parents and just a little backstory for for my listeners who might be like oh well just go and tell your mom and them like they'll be okay my parents um had gone through a really horrible tragedy in 2002 is that the right year because <laughs> i messed that year up <laughs> in 2002 y'all have missed saying that year up before but in 2002 my parents tragically lost their son we tragically lost my brother and unless you have ever gone through something like that and we lost my brother to gun violence and when I say like a really tragic way for a parent to lose a child it was it was really horrible like granted we lost a brother but my parents lost their child and so for years and years and years you know, my parents are grieving and my mother in particular, who, you know, she's a mom. She was still dealing with grieving the loss of her son. So what I hear you saying, Tiffany, is just like for you in 2009, which in most people's heads, they might be like, oh, well, that seemed like enough time. But I feel like in grieving years, like that's still not enough time yeah exactly that's still like 24 hours like two days seemed like or something so for you that was weighing on you to say like how in the hell do I now pick up the phone or you know or go to my parents and tell them something is wrong with another child yep that was hard that was hard very very hard and how I did it I don't know if it was the right way, but I did it. And before I told them, I received a phone call um, from someone, and the advice that they gave me was, um, however people see you handling it, they'll follow you. Mm. So essentially, you're the leader. They'll follow your emotions. 
they'll follow your lead. And so I really took that to heart. And I remember before I went to tell my parents, um, I remember praying to God and just saying, I don't want to feel this. You got to take the emotions out of it. I can't. It's too much. And I'm not going to say he took them completely away, but he removed them. And not saying that when I went and told mom and dad that it was easy, um, because it wasn't, but God gave me the strength and he, he allowed me to control my emotions. And growing up as a child, one of the one thing my mom used to, your mom used to always say is like, every time something would occur, pray, 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 you know, pray and don't claim it. And so I do live by that today. You know, I try to pray and I try not to speak things into existence and I try to always remember my faith. And so I remember when I went to tell my mom, it was just me. Um, I didn't want, I didn't want B to go. Um, he stayed with, with Gabby, and I remember going over there, and I'm like, Mom, Dad, I need to talk to you. And I just remember telling them I had a book in my hand um, that gave them all the information they needed to know as far as what breast cancer is. And so I remember telling them, you know, I went to the doctor, you know, all of this and that, and it came back as cancer. And I could see the look in my mom's face, and it just broke my heart. And my dad is very good at masking his emotions. And so I couldn't really read him. Um, but I remember just saying, Mom, we're going to pray. We're going to pray our way through this, and we're going to be good. Um, and I'm saying that out loud to convince myself, too, like, you're going to be good. You're going to be good. But I wanted my mom to remember this is what you taught me, so now we need to stand on it. You know, now is not the time to, to be fearful, and now is not the time to um, – to forget our faith, you know, you said that we pray, you said that, you know, we speak what we want into existence, so we'll speak healing, and she didn't say much to me, which I understood that, um, because that's a hard pill to swallow, you like, what the heck, you know, when you hear cancer, you know, you instantly think of death, um, and at that moment, I couldn't tell her I wasn't dying, because I really didn't know. I had no further information. You know, all I knew was this was the diagnosis and, you know, you'll meet with an oncologist and we're going to go from there. And so that was that, you know, got that out. And um, then I think I had to tell my siblings. Um, and honestly, I don't really recall how I told everybody. I know I had to call you, Siobhan, because you weren't you weren't in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember how I told Tasha and Siobhan or Tasha and Demars. But the fact that you weren't in Milwaukee that made it more difficult for me to tell you um, because of how close we are, um, not as just sisters, but as a family. Um, telling them here, they were they were able to you know, hug me and, you know, cry if that's what we wanted to do. But to tell you, um, I kind of tried to anticipate, like, oh, is she going to feel this or is she going to think that? And one of the hardest things for me was um, 
telling you and you feeling um, as if you couldn't help me. And I struggle with that because I know I put a lot on your on your on your plate, a lot on your shoulders. Um, you are you are a lifesaver to me in so many ways, but that distance it made it difficult for me to tell you because I'm like, you know, is she gonna want to hug me and she can't? You know, is she gonna get frustrated with the fact that she's not there for me? You know, in the physical. Um, so that was that was difficult for me too. Um, I, I remember that phone call. Oh my God, I remember. And I was at work. I was I was teaching at the time, and I remember the phone call. And I was at work, and I don't remember how the phone call ended. I just remember you saying it, and I we hung up somehow. I don't know, and I think I was just like, okay, like I, you got this, and I bawled like a baby. I had they had to send me home. I cried all the way home. And anybody who don't know anything about me, I am emotional on my own. So I enjoy being a recluse when something is wrong. And I sat at home and I bawled and I bawled and I bawled. And the crazy thing is, I didn't cry because I was just like, oh, I can't be there. This might sound selfish. I don't know. It might sound weird, you guys, but it's just my truth. And I'm going to speak my truth. I cried because I was like, God, why her and why not me? And I'll just give the people a quick synopsis. I, like Tiffany was just, the, she was the sweet one. She's the sensitive one. It's just, you know, she's a little bit more emotional. And I'm not that emotional, not as emotional as other people, especially at the time, I definitely wasn't emotional. I was very much of, oh, I can take anything. I have been through, you know, and I can take it. And so I was just like, oh my God, God, why are you doing this to her? Like, give it to me. Let me carry this load. Let me take it because I can handle it. That was the hardest thing for me is just to be like, how can I take this from my sister? I, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, Oh, Lord, just throw it at me and I'll deal with it. You know, that was my mindset at the time. And so in my head, I'm like, no, this is going to devastate her. And mm -hmm. oh, my God, like, I, you know, is she going to be able to handle it? Like, God, no, I can I can take it, Lord. But it wasn't my battle. You know what I'm saying? It's just it wasn't my yep. journey to go on. And that I think for me, that was the hardest thing, because, you know, as a as a, a loved one to someone, all you want to do is take it away. And I'm sure mom probably bawled her eyes out and asked God the same thing. Like, Lord, you know, like, yeah. why not me, God? Like, why are you doing this yeah. to my kids and why not me? And so for me, that was just kind of where I struggled. And, and then it's just like, I live 15 hours away. And my whole family is like getting together and being there and going to <laughs> appointments and everybody's probably hugging, hugging and kumbaya together. And I'm over here like, hey, guys, give me a call. <laughs> Skype me in. <laughs> FaceTime me on the conference. You know, like, let me join in. So that that was yeah. difficult. But I knew my role. I felt like my role was just to be a support because I couldn't be there. Like, you know, I couldn't yeah. go to an appointment with you. Like, I couldn't come over and drink wine <laughs> with you. It was just right. like, I felt like I had no role because I'm like, God damn it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm so far away, you know, God. And, and it's funny that you say that because you, I think, had, um, you gave me, 
and I'm just trying to figure out how to say it, but in the moments that I that I needed something particular, you was always able to deliver that. Um, one thing that you did that no one else was able to do um, is you let me feel whatever emotion that I was feeling. You let me feel it. You let me get it out. You never tried to stop me. You never tried to um, get me to redirect the the frustration, the anger, the sadness, the feeling of, you know, defeat, you know. I always say our conversations was like a roller coaster. You know, you let me take off. You let me go up, down, up, down, around in circles. And I will always come back to a solid solid ground, a solid place within my emotions, um, but you allowed me to express every emotion that I felt without judgment. Um, one thing that, that one one thing that I struggled with is or was when I was going through is that if I tried to tell someone how I was feeling, you know, oh, you know, I'm a little upset today, they always wanted to come back with some type of positive comments, you know, oh, no, 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 but don't be, don't, don't, don't be sad, you're blessed. Um, oh, no, 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 don't be sad, you're going to be fine. And I was never really allowed to truly feel or express what I was feeling. And that was difficult because there's a saying, you know, I smile even when I don't feel like it. And honestly, the whole time I went through treatment and even sometimes today, it's still it's still that I have to put this put this smile on my face um, because it's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to smile. I'm supposed to feel blessed, you know, and I am. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not allowed to truly express what it is that I'm feeling, and it gets frustrating. And you would allow me to do that, and I would feel bad because I know that I would call you, and I would just, I'm so frustrated, and then I would just go in. And you would just sit there and listen to me. And then as I would calm down, you would ask me, you good? And I would be like, yeah, I'm good. And the conversation can go totally in a different direction. (laughs) We wouldn't even talk about that anymore. But the fact that you allowed me to get it out, you know, that was major. I needed that because I felt like I was going crazy. I felt like I was going insane. And I felt like there was nobody that, that I could relate to, you know, nobody understood me. A couple of things is, you know, I remember when I finally went and because I, because I I did a, um, I did a double mastectomy. Um, So I didn't want to deal with this anymore. So I opted for a double mastectomy um, at age 29. um, And what is a double mastectomy? What is that? I got um, both my breasts completely removed. And so, um, Yep, just take them, don't need them, um, give me something else. And I wasn't sure what the, uh, I wasn't sure how that was going to affect me. Um, my mental state, you know, physical, how I looked in the physical. Um, but I remember going to the doctor for a follow-up. Um, and me being this private person, not wanting to hurt my mom, not wanting to see her hurt. Um, Looking back, I think I hurt her more than I had intended on, but I wanted to protect her. 
and I wanted to protect her feelings, and I wanted to protect her. I wanted to protect her heart. You know, I didn't want anything to happen to her. I didn't want her to hear something that she couldn't handle. And so um, I remember when I went for the follow-up, she would come to the appointments with me. She would drive me. That's fine. You know, let's go. But I wouldn't let her come in the room with me. And I remember that first appointment. um, I saw the surgeon, and, you know, he looked at at everything. Oh, it looks good. Um, And I remember asking him, you know, am I dying? Just be straight up and honest with me. I need to know. And he never told me no. He just said, that's what we're trying to prevent. And that was difficult. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of solidified in my head at the time that my mom can't be in these appointments. Um, And so at that moment, I made up in my mind that, all right, y'all tell me this information. I figure out how to sugarcoat it. I figure out how to tell her in um, a less blunt way. Um, and so I remember coming out, and she was like, well, what, what, what did they say? Oh, you know, they said that everything was good, and, you know, they're going to do everything that they can for me. You know, I would never tell her, you know, that he told me, he didn't tell me, no, I wasn't dying. I would never tell her that. And so all my appointments, that's how I went. I would go see the oncologist, and she'd be sitting in the in the waiting room with me, and they would call my name, and I'll say, no, I'll be right back, Mom. And I would go in there and I would talk to the doctor and, 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 and I just have to be honest with my medical staff. All right, listen, there's certain things you can't tell her. You know, you tell me information, we figure out how to tell her. You know, if I am dying, that is not what we say. And um, looking back, as I, you know, replay those, those moments in my head, I could just see the look on her face and it, it, it hurt. But, you know, in that moment, I'm like, ah, you're my mom. You know, when I see you cry, I'm going to cry, you know, and I don't want to cry. I want to be strong, you know, and I don't, want, I don't want you to hurt. I don't want you to even think about me dying. You know, let's just let's stay positive. Let's, let's, let's stay hopeful. Um, and so, like I said, that's how, that's how all of them went. Um, so I'm do, you very, feel like, do you feel like, um, but do you feel like in those moments, like even though you may not have wanted to hurt her, that's just really what you needed. You needed to be able to process without taking on the reality of other people's feelings at the time. That's exactly what it was. And I don't think that's a selfish thing. I think that's like legit because, you know, for our listeners, y'all, my mom is like best friends with Jesus. I just want to say that moms and Jesus are clearly BFFs. And my mom is extremely spiritual. And I swear, whenever she get to heaven, she better be able to sit on Jesus' lap because that's how close moms and Jesus really are. But it's, my mom is definitely more of a like, let's pray about it right now, you know, type of person. It's just like, whoa, mom's like, let me deal with this first. So I could about imagine that that's hard to constantly have to go back and keep your mama up to date when it's like, I haven't even processed what the hell is going on right now and the weight of that. So I don't think that's selfish. I think that's real. And I think that's what a lot of probably listeners need to hear, you know, if they or maybe someone they know is battling, you know, this really horrible disease, horrible disease, but not necessarily a death wish, right? Because technology has advanced and, you know, you are absolutely living proof that, you know, people can fight this. But it's not selfish to say, while I am going through this, I can't help you process your feelings right now. 
because I don't even know how I'm feeling <laughs> right now. So I can't help you cope. Boo-boo, I'm still trying to cope, you know, in this moment. And I know that while you're going on this journey, like while you've been on this journey, you've learned a little bit more about yourself. And I know you share your story a lot in uh, the conversations that you've done in the past and yep. just, you know, being a support system to other women. And I, I would imagine that that's really soothing for people to hear because I'm sure there are some people out there struggling the same way you struggle to be like, ooh, like I love you and I want you to support me and I want to keep you in a loop, but like I just legit can't help you process right now or I can't think about how my news will hurt you. You know what I'm saying? Because like, that's a lot. That I would imagine that that's just, that's a lot of pressure, Tiff. And I feel like you it sounds it like you took a lot of pressure on trying to protect, you know, other people's feelings and help other people, you know, worrying about how they're going to receive it when it's just like, well, damn, have you even processed what this might mean for your life? I think um, going through that journey, that's, that's, that's exactly what you do. You know, and I and I will always say, you know, it's 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 a lot of y'all, but it's one of me. I'm the patient, but I have to worry about everybody else's emotions. And truth be told, you know, and and I don't say this with any disrespect, but I don't really think my feelings or emotions was really um, top priority at times. You know, it was it was more of, you know, well, no, this is not how you should feel, or no, this is what you should be doing. And I had to protect everybody else. I had to I had to worry about everybody else. I had to be careful with what I said around certain people. Um, I had to, you know, I couldn't speak my truth to certain people. I had to sugarcoat certain things. I had to constantly worry about how other people were going to be affected by what was happening to me. And you know, it, it it's hard, and you know, you know me, I'm I'm quiet, <laughs> I'm very shy. <laughs> I don't like a lot of attention. Um, I just like to be left alone. You know, I, I really do. I love, I love just being in the in, in the back. You know, and that wasn't the case with this. I mean, and I struggled with that. I struggled with it because. Um, Everybody, you know, because I'm because I'm going through this journey, you know, and you either you, you want people, you know, meaning you know the supporters, you know, you kind of want to, oh look, this is this is the person that I told you about, or you know, this is my daughter, and you know she's doing so well, and you know continue to pray for her, or you know everybody else needed somebody to talk to, and I didn't want anybody to know. I'm like, if and if I could have done this in silence, I would have. Um, if I could have just went to all these appointments, um, had these surgeries and not told a soul, I would have because a major struggle for me was everybody knowing. I felt like I was walking around with this big C over my head, you know, I'm the, the girl that got breast cancer, you know, um, and, and I struggled with that because I don't like attention like that. Like, I don't like attention like that at all. Um, but I will say that it was a lot of the prayers from other people that really kept me going because there were so many times that I had not a 
not a word to utter to God. Like, I couldn't say anything. I was at my lowest, and I really couldn't tell anybody, you know, that I that I don't, I don't feel like I'm going to make it. You know, I don't, I don't want to make it. You know, I'm sick of this. You know, and so it was really the prayers of others that, that that helped me get through this journey. Um, I, my treatment consisted of um, a double mastectomy. Um, I did six treatments of what I call harsh chemo. It made me sick. I lost my hair. Um, I did 18 treatments of Herceptin, which is I call it the easy stuff. You know, I didn't have any reaction to it. I did 28 treatments of radiation. You know, I lost my hair before my 30th birthday, um, days before my 30th birthday. I'm on my way to Vegas to celebrate because, you know, 30 is what you celebrate. Um, and instead of it being just smiles and everything, I'm crying because I lost my hair trying to get my hair done. And I was hurt, um, upset that this was happening to me. Um, chemo made me extremely, extremely sick. Um, I lost my taste buds, couldn't hold anything down. Um, I went from, they had me on steroids right before, so, you know, you feel really, really good, you know, going into chemo. And then I would get chemo, and I would start to just go on this decline, and I would get sick. And I couldn't, didn't want to eat. Um, I lost my taste buds, so I couldn't taste. I would go from being um, constipated from from the chemo Growing up to being, you know, having diarrhea, not being able to taste anything. Um, I would eat according to smell. Um, it was really like a cycle because I had treatment every three weeks. And so I would go through treatment, go through all these symptoms, and then I'll slowly start to come back to, to normal. And then it's time for treatment again. Um, losing my hair was probably one of, you know, another hard thing for me to do. Um, I was trying to listen to other people. Um, oh, you're not going to lose your hair that fast. It's probably going to be two or three treatments. My first treatment, and I had my first treatment, and they said just be prepared because, you know, you could lose your hair fast. I lost my hair, I want to say, 10 days after my treatment. I mean, completely, I was it came out, it, it, it clotted, knotted, whatever. Like, it, it was horrible. I was devastated. Um, and I didn't like it. You know, I, I didn't like how this was making me feel. I think about my, uh, so let me back up. So originally, before they did all the um, the biopsying of, of the chemo so, or the cancer, so I, I had the lumps removed. They biopsied it, found out that it was it was cancerous. They went back. And then I had the double mastectomy, and so that was another that was another surgery. Um, I had 15 left nodes removed, and I had three positives for cancer. So cancer was in three of the lymph nodes. Um, and so um, before they got all that information with the mastectomy, they had originally said four treatments and you'll be done. Well the results of the mas- from the mastectomy changed that. They went from four to six, and that was devastating to me. Like, <laughs> how? I don't want to go through an extra two treatments. I just want to be done at four. You know, I had my mindset on this will be the day that I will be done, and that wasn't the case. And so chemo, like I said, it just, I wasn't myself. Um, I had developed insomnia. I couldn't sleep. They gave me sleeping pills. 
Um, I would sleep for a max of maybe two hours. Um, couldn't eat any of that. And so it was it was difficult trying to adjust to this. I like I jittered. I couldn't sit still. Um I, I could I didn't want to be touched. Like if you touched me I felt like I was gonna I was gonna vomit. Um it, it, I didn't like how I felt. And so I remember I wanna say this had to be like the third treatment. Um I went and I wanted to give up. I didn't want to do this anymore. It was I, I mentally it was beating me down. And I remember just laying in bed and I don't even know where my cell phone was, but I begged and begged, can you just get my phone? I just want to call my parents. I just want to tell them. I just need to tell them that I can't do this anymore. I don't want to go through another treatment. I just, I want to be done. I'm just going to let whatever happens to me happen. I don't, I don't want to do it. And he begged me. He said, no, babe, you can do this. You can fight through this. Like, I got you. Like, no, you can't give up. You know, you got us. We need you. And I didn't care. Like, chemo had me so out of my element that it's too much for me. This is way more than I could ever imagine. I just want to be done taking out of my misery because I'm miserable right now. I can't function. I can't think. I can't eat. I'm vomiting. You know, I feel, ugh, I don't want to do this. And, you know, he 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 pleaded with me, and he wouldn't give me my phone. I, I don't even know where it was. It could have been laying right up under the bed. I don't know. But he pleaded with me, and he begged me. He was like, just, just you know, no worries. And, you know, he sat beside me. And, you know, I don't even know what he was saying to me, but I just remember drifting off to sleep. And I felt better in a couple of days. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do this. But I remember as I was going through chemo, what eventually got me through is, and I can't quote you many Bible scriptures, but I always remember them talking about this mustard seed. God only wants us to have, you know, if we had just a small amount of faith. That's all God is asking. And I made a made a deal. I said, okay, God, this is all I got. I don't have anything else. I got this. I looked up how big a mustard seed was, and I'm like, this is all I got. He said that if I had this, right, that you would do the rest. That's all I got. I don't, I'm empty. And I started to look at myself and my life as a plant. And God was breathing life into me, and he was removing the impurities, the toxic, toxicity out of my life. And every treatment, he was growing new life into me. And that's how I made it. And I always say, you know, one of my favorite favorite poems is the footprint you know I would read it and I would joke and say you know they said that you know when you look back you know there was only one set of footprints I'm like well for me you know it was like somebody was dragged because I kept fighting God and he literally had to throw swing your butt here and he dragged me out of this situation because I kept fighting him but I took that and I said you know what if you're doing that for me you're removing Everything that's bad within my life, within my body, within my mind, within my spirit, I'm going to make the best of whatever life I'm given after this. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to get it together. And that was my promise to God and to myself um, because I had to have something to live for. I had to have something to, to focus on. Otherwise, I, I didn't want to. 
I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to complete the treatment. So, but I did. Let me, uh, and congratulations to that. Oh, Jesus. That's, that's a lot of, you know, people are listening to this. Hell, like I said, I'm listening to this for the first time, at least hearing it, you know, this much in detail. We've talked, but because it's not my story yeah. to share, I've never been like, hey, Tiffany, sit down and tell me about, <laughs> tell me everything that went on. And maybe I should have, I don't know, but it's, you know, not mine to push and to share, but I'm hearing this for the first time and just hearing you're so much on the body, right? Like I, I wasn't there to see it firsthand. Like I know you know, other people did, but just to listen to, you know, the treatment after treatment and, you know, you sick. I hate throwing up just once. So to imagine, you know, just going through that much and your body being put through the ringer that much and how it's just like, oh goodness, I couldn't imagine trying to hold on, but you found, like you said, that mustard seed faith. You were just, it seems like if I'm hearing you correctly, you were just like, all right, God, you told me if I just got just even a, a tiny bit, you can make yeah, that work. <laughs> and so you, you know, you had a conversation seem like to be like, okay, God, I'm going to give you my tiny bit because that's all I have to give right now. But that was just, it clearly was all you needed. And it was able to get you through uh, all of those treatments and not only just get you through the treatments, you know, We'll kind of fast forward a little bit, not a little bit, a lot of bit. Ten years later, here you uh-huh. are, have kicked cancer's ass for ten years. You are now married. Um, you said yep. at the beginning you are getting ready to graduate with your master's degree, and you have another child. Uh, so. That is, you know, you talked about that little faith and just even the smallest bit of of positive thinking. Kind of share with us what is life like for you now? Like, you know, I feel like I say this. There's a pre-cancer Tiffany, and I feel like there's a post-cancer Tiffany. Absolutely. They're two different people. Yeah, like I feel, and I can (laughs) see that as your sister. As your sister, I can see that as well. Like, there's definitely, you know, pre-diagnosis and like post-battle, Tiffany. So tell us who is post-cancer Tiffany? What does life look like for that Tiffany now? Man, post-cancer Tiffany is, she's dope. Let me tell you, the last week, if I got to toot my horn myself, um, she's dedicated, she's fierce. Um, she's strong. She knows her worth. Um, she's vocal. Um, she, it, it took me a while, uh, you know, to, to get to know the new me. And I know it was a struggle for everyone around me, but it was a struggle for me too, because life that I remember, it no longer existed. Um, the things I liked, um, my motivation in life, my desires, my goals, everything changed. Um, I'm a go-getter. Um, you know, I, I, I set these goals and I work my butt off to achieve them. So the year that I got diagnosed, um, I made five-year and ten-year goals. And I wrote them down and put them away. And after cancer... 
I have accomplished all but one of my goals on both my five-year and my 10-year list before I was, I was a procrastinator, you know, still got a little bit of procrastination in me, but um, I'm more of a, of a doer, you know, I get up and and I make things happen for myself and I'm not afraid of the process. I'm not afraid of the challenges. Um, I still like life to be simple um, and as least or less complicated as possible. Um, But I, I know what, I know what I want. Um, I may not know exactly how I'm going to go about getting it, but I'm, I, my vision is clear. My mind is clear. Um, I'm more confident. Before, um, I struggled with being in the spotlight, and I still don't like being in the spotlight, but I don't shy away from it. I don't run away from it. Um, I'm not afraid to tell my story. I'm not afraid. To, I, I'll tell it to anybody that want to listen. You know, if you ask me questions, I'm very open and honest about it, whereas before, um, I didn't really want to tell people much about me. You know, um, I feel like this happened to me. I would rather be a resource or, you know, a support, a supporter for other people that's going through it. Um, I, I love life. Um, I want to be here for a very long time. I still stand strong on my faith. Um, I love my family. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know. That is so, I'll give you my perspective, right? And I hear you (laughs) and I honor everything that you said. And I second that, you know, and this is just, like I said, this is my truth. I'm speaking my truth, but for me, pre-cancer big sister Tiffany was like super shy definitely didn't like the attention super serious (laughs) all the time (laughs) y'all no Tiffany was the most serious ever it was always serious with her um not that she wouldn't joke but like Tiffany just you've always had a like very serious you know kind of a little bit more conservative demeanor I'm loud Right, like I'm outgoing and loud. Right, like you are not it at all. And you were always in my in my view, and this is me. I always felt like we had to be delicate with you because emotionally, I was just like, oh man, like she's really fragile. Yeah, which is not a bad thing. Was never a bad thing. It was just how I viewed like Tiffany's really emotionally fragile. So you know what I'm saying? Like, Uh be careful type thing. I will say, post cancer, you are my shero. I have told you that (laughs) time and time again, right? Like, my God, I've been inspired and motivated by you time and time again for not only, you know, enduring all the things that you've endured, but honestly not letting it get the, the best of you. And I honestly, God knew what he was doing because truth be told, I don't know if I could have stuck in there. I don't know if I would have really had mustard seed faith because yeah. that's, a, you know what I'm saying? Especially when you're already personally kind of going through 
your own personal battles. And I per I know what I was going through personally in 2009, just life, regular life. Right. Then to add, you know, a diagnosis, a cancer diagnosis on top of that, I definitely cannot say that Siobhan would still be here because I probably would have been like, hey, Lord, take me now. Like something, it got to be better on the other side than this, right? And for me, it's just like, I admire you. And to see your strength coming out of this, I no longer see you as delicate Tiffany. I no longer see you as like emotionally fragile Tiffany. I now see you as like, you know, she will tell you what it is that she got, she got to tell you. And I see this fire in you. And I think that's why I stay on you so much. Like, oh my God, allow the world to experience you because you have such a fire inside of you and a beautiful testimony and such a beautiful energy about giving your testimony. You're so humble about it. And God, no, I probably wouldn't have been humble. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> if I kick cancer ass, like I'm tattooing, I kick cancer ass all on my chest or something. I probably wouldn't have been humble. I don't know. Who knows? Because, you know, I can be extra, but you have such a humble energy about you and such, you, you know, you're a nurturer by nature. Yeah. I feel like all yeah. of us are nurturers by nature. We nurture differently, but I do feel like all of us are nurturers by nature. And you have such a nurturing spirit that I believe so many women appreciate and need when they come to you and utilize you as a support, um, you know, for them throughout their journey. And you, you yeah. approach it in such a non-judgmental way. And because you you went through this at the age of 29, like that always blows my mind, y'all. I remember being 29 and I don't know how I would have ever been able to, you know, to cope with that. So knowing that you've gone through so much in your lifetime and have overcome so much, it's just like there was this rebirth of Tiffany and it, I think we yeah. all kind of knew, like, there was a death, right? There, there was a death. Yeah. There was, there was a death, and but it wasn't a bad thing. It was just like uh-uh. I had to, I had to, you know, get rid of that shell. And I feel like now we see the real you, the you know what I'm saying, like the you living unapologetically, and it is so yeah. beautiful to see. It is amazing to watch and it's awesome to see you continue to do things that I'm pretty sure people thought you couldn't do or or wouldn't do you know like I said you had a a baby like god dog this lady beat cancer and then went out and was just like and I'm about to have a baby on (laughs) y'all you know like that's yeah that is brave my miracle baby yes that is brave and that is amazing and you have this little (laughs) bundle of energy (laughs) that is just yes that is just (laughs) totally like not like the old tiffany that we knew and i feel like though Gigi represents the new tiffany you used to be like yeah. super serious and like you gave birth to this ball of energy, this zest for life. And I think she represents just, you know, that rebirth that happened with you. So if you could give us 
maybe some tips, right? If people know someone out there currently dealing with this, if anyone out there themselves is currently going through this struggle, or, you know, maybe it's not breast cancer, maybe it's, you know, it's some other, like, just really heavy, heavy news, heavy thing. I would say, what would be a piece of advice that you could give to people to really help them get through? I think um, the one thing that I would say is to allow them to express their emotions. Um, I think there needs to be um, an under a level of understanding where you know you guys have this disagreement where I'll let you be as open and as honest with your feelings as you as as you can as you want to be. However, um, I do believe depression is real, and I do believe these situations can push you to depression. Um, if it's getting to that point, or you're really feeling like you 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 want you you don't want to live anymore, right? You you're at the end. That we'll have that honest conversation and we could do something about that, right? We can, I, I can help you further, but I think it's important to allow this person just to be as honest with their feelings. I allow them to express whatever emotions that they have, because what happens is if we, even though we're the patient, even though we're the one going through it, we're dealing with so many other different people that we have to mask or hide behind our true feelings and our true emotions. And honestly, that's what drives us more insane. That's more frustrating to have to conceal what I'm feeling. Um, I can't be honest with you because I don't want you to think that. Allow them to, to cry if they needed to. Don't judge them. You know, don't think the worst of the worst because they're having a bad day. We all have bad days. You know, it's not always about what you can say to me, but sometimes it's just you listening. You know, listen, listen without judgment. You know, um, I would say if you are, you know, a person that prays, pray for them because a lot of times when you're going through something, you get to a point where you don't know what to say. You know, I can't, I can't even pray. And it's the prayers of others that often carry us through our situations. Um, if and ask them what they need. You know, a lot of times people assume that they know she needs this and, and she needs that and just ask them. You know, sometimes it's you know what, I don't feel like cooking today. You know, oh, okay, would you like for me to, to to get you something or I just kinda wanna be left alone today, you know, and, and respect that. Respect whatever it is that, that they need. Um, and give them that. Um, I would say, I would say, um, I would say continue to, if you can, um, I think those are most important. I think those were the things that, that I struggled with, is not being able to truly express my feelings. Um, but if you if you come across them and there are some things that you are unable to relate to, I think you should be honest about that too. Um, one of the and, and I'll say this: one of the issues that I struggled with when I was going through through, through my my journey was I wanted another baby, and for a while they didn't think it was possible. 
And every time I tried to have the conversation with someone, they always threw in my face, oh, you know, you should be happy you have the one. And that's not the point. <laughs> that wasn't the point. I'm very blessed, you know, and I, and I understand that. But at this moment, I'm hurting. At this moment, I'm frustrated, you know. And so don't minimize or, you know, what they're feeling. You know, acknowledge it. And even if it's not something that you agree with, it's their truth and allow them to to be able to to walk in that in that truth. I think those are important, and I think a lot of times they get lost because when people support you, they really want to support you their way. Mm-hmm. You know, this mm-hmm. is how I support you. They don't want to support you the way that you need to be supported, and it may not be in line with how you support, but it's what I need, and if. I'm going through it, and I'm telling you what I need. You know, respect me enough and love me enough to give it to me. I think that's a word for life in general. Support people on the level that they need and not the level that you just want to give support. That is a word right there. Um, I will also add, because Tiffany always gets on me, help them with their eyebrows. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Please. You can... Yeah. <laughs> my eyebrows looked horrible and no one ever told me that they was the hot mess and here I am thinking I'm <laughs> fine as wine and I look back at these pictures and I'm like oh my gosh you guys let me walk out the house like this y'all like, I was I was still on my makeup journey at that time I was not stepping into this artistry thing but Tiffany always get on me and be like dude did you really let me walk out the house uh with my eyebrows like that like a hot but I do want to um as we close I do want to transition you know we talk about just talking about makeup and beauty that's my thing right like I love makeup I love using it as a tool it's my therapy but let me ask you what is your go-to like makeup item or beauty item my beauty item honestly is eyeliner um I have to wear eyeliner I love eyeliner I love mascara and lip gloss um, since chemo puts all my hair away and my eyebrows or my eyelashes never grew back. And so I wear eyeliner every day, even if I'm sitting in the house, <laughs> I wear eyeliner. <laughs> and, you know, it's just crazy because if I don't have on eyeliner, um, and this is, this is an issue with the myself. And if I don't have on eyeliner, and my husband tells me I'm beautiful. Like, it's hard for me to receive that because I know how I look without it. And I know that his opinion is very honest and pure. Um, but I struggle with that because I go back and look in the mirror and be like, what is you looking at? And so I always, always, always sit in the house with eyeliner on. Like, I very seldom, like, I wake up, shower, and put eyeliner on just to do nothing. Um, just so if he looks at me and tells me I'm beautiful, I truly receive it and believe it because, because you got, got that eyeliner, eyeliner on. That's <laughs> real though. They, you know what? No, that's real. That is so real. And I always love asking people that question because makeup means so much 
to so many different people in a different way. And I think sometimes people can perceive that as like a bad thing or, ah, you don't need makeup. Well, I didn't ask you if I needed uh-huh. makeup. I told you that this made me feel better. <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, and that's all that matters is that I feel like I can be my best self in this damn eyeliner doing nothing. And I think that's the doing point nothing. that people miss is like, I'm not always wearing this makeup for you. Like I have totally done my makeup at 10 o'clock at night just to take it off and Uh you know or I'll wake up and be in full face and won't go nowhere but it helps me feel better and I love makeup as that therapeutic tool because what people don't realize is the art of putting makeup on um it's therapy it doesn't matter if it takes you two seconds it doesn't matter if it takes you 20 minutes it doesn't matter if it takes you two hours the art of connecting with yourself in that way and making time for yourself where you are the focus for those two minutes, 20 minutes, two hours, that is therapeutic and it is healing for, you know, for yourself. So I love to ask people, you know, like, what is your favorite beauty item? You know, what makes you feel beautiful? Because the answers vary. And I love that. And I love it because it's really just, hitting the point home that everybody don't have to be beautiful in the same way yep and i hate eyeliner i love it (laughs) i'd hate taking it all i I hate mascara but for like it's not eyeliner for me but i but i can understand that to say like yeah like i like to be able to do this thing to you know highlight this feature on myself and for you it seems like it's your eyes because I, I also is, know you is. like eyeshadow. Like, you won't have nothing else on. But you will put on mm-hmm. some eyeliner and some eyeshadow. And I'd be like, Tiff, where the foundation at? You'd be like, oh, girl, I ain't wearing no foundation. I but that is that. your de- Yeah, but that, and that's your definition of, you know, just mm-hmm. what makes you feel beautiful. And that's what's important. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, when we, when we, when we look good, we feel good, too. Because I tell you, even on my worst days, if I get up and put that eyeliner on and get dressed up, I feel better. I really do. I look in the mirror, and a lot of times it's it's just for me. You know, like you said, it's not for anybody else. It's just what I need to 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 give me a little boost, boost my own self-esteem, my own self-confidence. You know, for me, I always like to look nice. For one, I do have a husband, and I like the fact that he smiles at me. Thank you for hanging out with us. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I just want to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, take time for yourself every day. Number two, affirm yourself daily. And number three, please, 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 for the love of God, wash your face twice a day, (laughs) y'all. No, but in all seriousness, join us next time for a new episode of Makeup and Mindset.